by pledging just one or two dollars, you are helping us in our fervent quest to not have to do stuff. If you pledge ten dollars or more, you will receive this luxurious company micro badge. It's called crowdfunding. Using the internet to raise money without having to pay back your investors. A tactic that some believe is unfair and impersonal. pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with all of my co-hosts. Yay. We have Wayne Yay. and Hannah and Katya. Hey, guys. Hey. I, I feel like it's like disingenuous to say I'm once again here with all my co-hosts because we haven't all been together since April. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, 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 that is once again. Just been it's a while. again. It's just you know, it's it's like a it's like an eclipse. It only happens every once in a while. You have to like wait yeah. for it, and it's at a fun an occasion when it does. And there's lots of drinking. I like it because I mean, it's weird that we're not all here every week. But I kind of like that we're not all here every week. Not because I don't miss you guys, but yeah, I, I say, like you the show that you don't like talking to us. No, I love talking to you guys. But um, but uh, <laughs> but when I'm when I'm listening back to the show, what I think makes this show interesting is that every week it's a different panel. Like it's it's almost never two weeks in a row the exact same people, which I think makes it you know fun. <laughs> no. So you're saying we're, it is we're for boring. Me. You're telling us we're boring. That's what you're telling us. I'm saying Thanks, I'm boring. Thanks, you gotta you gotta say it with emphasis. You gotta say you're boring. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, on that very special note. <laughs> <laughs> on that very special note. Uh, we have to get the show re- recorded because tonight is the return of the best show in the history of television. <laughs> Riverdale. Riverdale's back on tonight. <laughs> no, uh, so we're having a show basically so you can rub this in, in Hannah's face. Is that what I'm getting right now? Well, every show is so I can rub. The Good Place has been back. It's been fantastic. Yes, The Good Place has been back for like three weeks. Riverdale is the good okay, place. Okay, so what are, we, what are we actually talking about? Oh, um, we could just spontaneously talk about Riverdale. I have, I have zero, I have zero thoughts about Riverdale um, or really the Good Place. Actually, that's fine because we're because neither Riverdale nor the Good Place have been funded by Kickstarter. But actually, the Kristen Bell like uh, vehicle, the Veronica Mars movie, got traction uh, from Kickstarter. Really yeah. sucked. Really? That you found a tie in there. Yeah, yeah. That. That is uh, right. so yes, as, they crowdfunded a, a major Hollywood film. Yeah. <laughs> so as as listener, you may have gleaned from our ramblings. Uh, we are, in fact, talking about Kickstarter. Uh, we started thinking about this because Kickstarter is weird and has a lot of pop culture effects. And then recently, people who are invested in sort of the online pop culture wor- world may have run across the fact that um, Kickstarter is currently in the middle of a union battle. Um, we actually reached out to uh, Kickstarter United, who are the employees that are organizing to sort of, I mean, to organize. Uh, and they declined to comment. But basically what's going on right now is uh, the employees are sort of caught between the weird the weird structure of Kickstarter in that they're kind of sandwiched between Kickstarter's funders and, you know, the administration and the CEO and everything like that. And the people that are cre- the creators on Kickstarter um, and the weird, funky economic model 
I think makes it more difficult. I mean, speaking from my own unique experience and Hannah, feel free to jump in at any time, um, makes it more difficult. And I think a lot easier actually for employers to be exploitative. So basically where we are right now is that um, Kickstarter United gave the opportunity for the company to accept the union without an election. Um, because for those of you who aren't uh, experienced with unions, uh, they are expensive often for both the organizers and for the company itself. Um, and it just sort of, you know, fosters a certain amount of goodwill between all parties. Uh, Kickstarter declined with a quite large fuck you. Um, which they've publicly publicly and which they've sort of, uh, you know, doubled down on. Um, and in response, uh, a lot of really great creators, um, have been throwing their weight behind Kickstarter United because I think the weird part is that, I mean, normally in a union fight, you're basically trying to create bad PR, um, which is happening. Um, but you're also trying to cut off in some ways, Kickstarters in this case, Kickstarters, a source of money, which is the creators who aren't actually their employees, um, which I think is important. Uh, And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Not their their employees and not part of the union fight. They're not. Yeah, they're just support directly. They're supporters, but they're not part of the union fight. Um, But I think, I mean, it puts them in, it puts the employees that are trying to unionize in a very interesting position because they've stated publicly that they, at this point, are not asking creators to stop using the platform um, and boycotting it, uh, which is difficult because they don't understandably want to screw over creators, which are a major part of their support um, and are technically their customers. But at the same time, that's also their employer's source of income. That's like the only leverage that they have. So like, frankly, from an organizing standpoint, I'm interested to see how this works out, especially because this would be one of the first companies sort of like in the social media kind of sphere to have a major union fight. And, you know, to add some details to that, um, even though the Kickstarter United are not asking creators to stop their campaigns and they're not asking supporters to those campaigns to stop funding them, there are campaigns like Hero Hours Contract, which is a video game that is literally about forming a union who are looking for alternative places for funding because how can... The question is, you know, how can I be making a product that's pro-union when this company is directly anti-union? Right. And if you go on Twitter, you'll see people vowing to either stop supporting Kickstarter straight up, people pulling their funds, people saying that after these Kickstarter campaigns are over, I'm not funding a Kickstarter until Kickstarter gives in. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, uh, for those of you who don't know, Katya and I, uh, went through a union election a few years ago with the Duke Graduate Students uh, Union. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that happened, uh, Duke and Kickstarter actually had similar tactics in that they did things like release an FAQ that basically said, um, in Kickstarter's words, that a union is inherently adversarial. This is from their CEO, Aziz Hassan, um, saying that, like, you know, actually it really benefits employees to, like, work with uh, employers one-on-one instead of this them-versus-us dynamic, when really that's a mischaracterization of what unions Mm -hmm. do. Right, because if you're not familiar with, like, the basic idea of a union, um, I just want to talk about this really briefly before we move on to more Kickstarter-specific stuff. 
The idea of collective bargaining is basically that all of the employ like all of the employees can negotiate directly with the employer, um, mm-hmm. which leads which basically the main the main advantage of that, aside from just sort of power and numbers, is also transparency. Like I know the contract that I have, but I also know the contract that the employee down the hallway has, um, mm-hmm. which allows you to basically do things like negotiate salaries and benefits more um, in a more transparent way, which is especially important for like women like myself, uh, minorities, people who are often subject basically to um, lower pay, lower benefits on the basis of gender bias, racial bias, things like that. Um, unions are not the like not necessarily a panacea for that, but it's one of the ways that uh, you can avoid those things. Um, it's basically a way of people working together rather than one person going up the company because the thing that the thing that places like Kickstarter and Duke won't acknowledge is that an individual employee is always essentially going up against a collective that is the company. Right. The, yep. I mean, their logic only holds if you assume everyone involved is a good faith actor whose major goal is to benefit the individual employee that's negotiating, which is only true of that employee. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously not the major goal of the company because that would, I mean, from a, from a business point of view, that would be dumb. You could just say to every employee ever for every job, yes, we will pay you a million dollars and you know, everyone would be pretty happy, but that's not how business works. So, well, and there's also the interesting part of like, what are the interests of the creators that are using Kickstarter as a platform? Um, and I think that's, what's interesting to me about this question is because they don't like the creators don't have the same kind of legal or financial stakes that an employer has. Um, but they're also the reason why the CEO of Kickstarter and these employees have jobs. So they, as much as, I mean, Hannah mentioned earlier, they're not really part of this union fight, but they actually are. Yeah. And so what's interesting about all of this, and this is sort of, we came up with this idea for an episode before all of these stories broke. And we, you know, we held off because we had, uh, we had more pressing things to record episodes on. Um, but the reason I find Kickstarter interesting in the first place is because it's, it's, it's often presented as this very new thing. Hey, we are allowing you, the creator, to directly work with your customer and have you guys, you know, be funded by the end user rather than a publisher. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of logic to it. But ultimately, yeah, yeah, a lot of, yeah. But ultimately, it's not necessarily really a new thing. This is just sort of how art used to work back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Like, you know, there was a point when if you were a singer, if you were a painter, what would happen is you'd say, I am a painter. Someone, you know, please you know, donate to me so that I can create great works. And then you go and you paint a Sistine Chapel or something like that. that, Right. That's how it works. Which is where the name for Patreon comes from. Yeah. Which is a very similar model. Right. And there's good points to that for full disclosure. I have been a Kickstarter creator. I I used Kickstarter to fund my first comic book. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was... I've helped friends with campaigns as well. Yeah. And it worked out really well. Why Kickstarter? Uh, Well, when I did it, like they were the only game in in town. Actually, they weren't quite the only game in town Um, because I had previously, um, because I said it was my first comic book, but I did a project. And in fact, I had had an old podcast back in the day called the 365 Days Podcast. I did a project where I took a self-portrait every day for originally the plan was to do it for a year i ended up doing doing it every day for four years and i posted it on the internet and then i started claiming that i had invented the selfie because that wasn't a word yet 
that. But, um, but what was, um, what was interesting about that was when I did it, I had said I was going to create this, this Flickr group, um, just to have people pay attention to me, which seemed to be the most egotistical, silly thing in the world. But the only, but the reason I did it was because I thought, you know, I know my own personal neuroses and I know that if I was just tra- taking a picture as like a new year's resolution for myself, um, I would have gotten bored of it after like a week or two, but I figured if I could get like 20 of my friends watching me, then I'd feel devoted and I'd feel like I had to do it every, I, I had to do the entire yeah. year. Um, Peer pressure can be helpful. Right. So I did that. And um, before the end of the month, that 20 friends had turned into about 20,000 strangers. And then by the end of the year, that 20,000 strangers was a million strangers and just all doing the same project in this, in this, uh, in this Flickr group. So after I finished for the year, I said, Hey, I'm going to put together a book of basically this year, if you want to buy it. And I did an on-demand publishing thing, but also just in order to do it, people kept saying, Oh, I, you know, you, this was such a great idea. I wish you could give, we could give you money, money to, um, you know, to thank you for how this has changed my life, which was really nice to hear. But people kept saying it over and over again. It's like, well, if you really want to give me money, I'll, I'll take money. And Amazon used to have this thing called a tip jar. You could set up an Amazon account where people could literally mm-hmm. just donate money into it. And so I did. And I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And I set one up. And it's also like um, now people use a uh, Ko-Fi for a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, it was sort of it's sort of like Patreon because I wasn't giving anybody anything for the first one. I was just like, hey, if you want to thank me, thank me. And right, that's um, what Ko-Fi is. Okay, it's basically you, like the idea is you like buy somebody a cup of coffee as like a thank you for producing whatever free content they use. At least that's the way that I see most people use it. There may be other okay. logics. Well, I got thanked to like a thousand dollars. Which I was like, oh, okay, nice. awesome, awesome. And then um, a couple of years later came around, and we, um, when uh, Max, who does our theme song, when Max and I wanted to do a, a comic book, um, uh, we did a web comic, and we wanted to publish uh, publish it. We thought, hey, you know, we don't know how many how much of a print run to do, so we we used Kickstarter because Kickstarter was just starting out, and a friend of mine was an in, was an early investor, um, and I mean not not a investor like in a project. Um, her and her husband had invested in the actual company Kickstarter. So she was like, you should try this thing out. I was like, all right. So I did. And that's what we used to print the first Cosmic Hellcat. So it was, you know, in some ways it is very useful in that, you know, if, if you want to sort of a gauge what your audience is going to be, you know, do I need to make 10 comic books? Do I need to make a hundred comic books? Do I need to make a thousand comic books? I don't know. Let's see what I can get on pre-orders. It's a great way to do that. We live in a world where you can self-publish a comic book or you can self-finance an album or you can run your own podcast or you can, you know, you can make a game. You know, these are these are things that you can do fairly easily because the technology has gotten to where that's done, but they're not free. And Kickstarter mm-hmm. and other ser- services like that, um, I, like I've seen, there's ones, you know, there's Indiegogo, there's Kickstarter, there's Patreon, though it's a little different. Um, there's one, I can't remember what it's called. There's one that's um, for essentially for emergencies where people GoFundMe. crowdfund. GoFundMe, thank yeah, you. GoFundMe. Um, things like that. They're, they're, they're very useful. I have friends who are professional wrestlers who have been injured and need money for medical bills and they can set up GoFundMe accounts and their fans have, you know, I've seen people you know, essentially pay for surgeries through GoFundMe accounts. And that's, that's a great thing um, in a way that, you know, no, being able to raise money before the fact rather, rather than after the fact is very useful. If your audience believes in you enough to donate that sort of thing. 
There's also ways it can be abused, which we'll talk about later. But it is a, yeah. it is a good thing in the abstract to have. Well, just since you're talking about the the comic piece of it, uh, from from the perspective of you know, creators, it has provided new pathways into the industry that weren't there before. You know, in, yeah. in 1970, whatever, you send a portfolio to Marvel or DC, and they would look at it and and they would hire you or not. But you, you had to or or show up. You, know, mm-hmm. you had to meet them at conventions. You had to show stuff, and that was kind of it. You know, self, there were self-publishers, that whole DIY thing, that funky post, you know, do it yourself. That's certainly been around forever. You know, Robert Crumb was, you know, copying, making copies of Zap Comics on somebody's mimeograph and selling them on that in Haight Ashbury. And what's happening with Kickstarter is a much larger version of that. You know, I, I'm making a comic and people are giving me for it. So, so it's, you know, what Kickstarter is the larger version of, of what Crumb was doing out of a baby carriage in 1969, more global. But it, in, in many ways for creators, it is, it's a, it's a good way of entering the business. You don't necessarily have to go through a publisher. It removes a lot of the gatekeepers. It, it allows you to create content and find an audience. Just, you know, putting your stuff up on Tumblr, on the internet, whatever, you can do that. I think it also makes possible, it's like you can make more niche yeah. things. I mean, I think this is, it's probably true of comic books, but I know it's definitely true of like uh, board games, yep. like analog games, even some digital games. Oh, it's like yeah. because you can find your audience in advance. I think that they like because like it's a way to prove viability of a of an idea. Yes. And I think it's also just because you don't have the same sort of like apparatus that say like a Marvel or a DC or like for video games Bethesda or something like that would have. It's less expensive um so you don't because like i mean the average triple a video game i even i can't even remember the but the numbers of copies that they have to sell are in the hundreds of hundreds of thousands into the millions um before they start turning profit which is not true of like these indie games and so like kickstarter can provide a platform for those indie games that'll Mm -hmm. probably be sold to something like steam um that would have never made it through a major publisher guys yeah guess how many jane austen games i've bought through kickstarter uh, more than two I think. is there an over and under on this i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go with seven no uh not counting expansions three i own three jane austen themed <laughs> games that have originated on kickstarter but if we include expansions five the one hasn't been fulfilled yet <laughs> oh so it would have been six i would have been off by one yeah. <laughs> and like and i know for like a lot of I mean, rules, i'm fine <laughs> There we go. And I know for like I could speak more to like the gaming sort of side of Kickstarter. Um, but like I know especially like a lot of creators that wouldn't necessarily be given the time of day can make yes. it into the industry. Mm-hmm. So like absolutely especially like, creators making games for people like them. So mm-hmm. like women making games, mm-hmm. people of color making games, queer folks making games specifically for like on female racial queer issues. Zora, a friend of ours that we've mentioned before. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yo, yeah, your Zora. coworker. Former coworker. Yeah, Zora, who was was a coworker at, at Phantom. Um, Zora co-edited an anthology of comics anthology of queer historical fiction, all created by by people I, who identify queer. And they have funded three of them now. Uh, third volume just came out and they're really well done. A lot of just really incredibly professional work in it. And you know, some of them are people who are self-publishing, have done their own Kickstarters, people who are working professionally, but a lot of them are just new to the business and you know, it's a place to get published. Mm-hmm. And and they're using the Kickstarter money. You know, stretch goals are, it's not just to pay to publish this. They're using the stretch goals to pay their creators. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So they're, well, they're, they're making money off of doing their art, which that, that's a goal. <laughs> yeah. And I know a lot of like smaller, like in, indie game companies basically got their start on Kickstarter. Yeah. Sufficiently so that they now have actual companies and they now just use Kickstarter as a way to basically like facilitate pre-orders. Um, they don't actually need the platform, which I think is also why the union fight is interesting because for people for whom Kickstarter used to be a necessity, but has now become a convenience, mm-hmm. um, are now leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not even clear actually that they will come back. Um, especially depending on what Kickstarter's response is to the, to, uh, the unionization effort. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, one of the better examples that I'm aware of with, you know, a game that was successful is Cards Against Humanity. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and that's one and of those cards against humanity. And, and the the retailer, my my boss, who who works more primarily at the game store than at the comic shop, uh, he's much more of a gamer. He's been angry at Kickstarter for years, and some of it just boils down to you know, people coming in and asking him for games. Cards Against Humanity, one of, one of the first big ones. People were coming in and asking him if he had that. And at first didn't know what it was because it's an internet thing. It right. wasn't carried through any of his distributors and he couldn't get it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, it, you know, he saw it as just, it's another competition. You know, this is a hard enough business as it is. And people are taking their money away from the store and, oh, dear God, giving it directly to the creators. And you know, as a creator, I appreciate that. As a retailer, you know, yeah. I am that I am that middleman that I mentioned. You know, like I, I pay my rent on selling this stuff. And, and now, you know, he was... He was resistant to carrying that at all for a long time. Finally did. You know, it's available through distributors now. Like We get it. We sell it marked up higher than you can get it through Kickstarter or the company itself. But somehow people still buy it, not realizing they can get it directly from them. I don't know. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, it's a different market. market. And I, well, also, I mean, I think like, I mean, I usually, uh, I, I have purchased a edition of Cards Against Humanity from a retailer, also yeah. probably marked up, um, specifically because that retailer was, in this case, Powell's Books, but like a beloved, a beloved hometown institution. And that's part um, of it. Right. We, we are I, that. Right. And I think like, and I think in some ways that's a different version of like what the appeal is for Kickstarter as like somebody mm-hmm. who is a funder. Like yeah. I will see Pete like creators or projects that I think are really great. I would like to exist in a world. And, and I think this is what makes it different from the example that Chris brought up earlier of sort of like the historical idea of the patron. Like a patron was a, mm-hmm. usually a single wealthy individual that would basically fund the own art. your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah fund your art. And also importantly, you were often making art specifically for them, which yeah, is right. why you they have all these portraits them. of wealthy people. Right. Right. And they so they also, they, they also had creative control in a yeah. lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's also, because I, I you, had they, to keep, you had to keep them happy. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Kickstarter, there's not quite that same. There is like, you have to keep me happy in the case of like, you know, hopefully getting to some kind of end product, uh, or at least trying hard enough that I feel like I don't hate you. Um, but it's also a great thing where like I can chip in five, 10, 15 bucks mm-hmm. at a level I can afford to see things. Yeah. That I can uh, see and to, to speak yeah. to the retailer, um, issue on Kickstarter to accommodate that, at least in the game world, I've seen newer, uh, campaigns offer like retailer specific, 
Um, and yes. Yeah, for right. like pre-orders. Yeah, like yeah. the tabletop role play game uh, based on the Kickstarter success route, the uh, board game, which is perhaps the most complicated board game you can play about woodland animals fighting over uh, <laughs> empire of the forest. Um, See our previous episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> very, very exciting stuff. Uh, you have to watch videos and read the rules very carefully to play. Um, and everybody has different rules. That's not the point of this. Uh, but like their, their new campaign, well, it's a different company, but the new campaign for this role play game offers retail specific rewards to encourage retailers to get involved. Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense also, because yeah. especially for things that result in tangible goods, mm-hmm. a lot of these things aren't available after the campaign ends. Right. Yeah. And and that's and that's sort of one of the sort of one of the weird things. I mean, you mentioned it is different. It is different than, you know, asking somebody to paint the Sistine Chapel because it is it it is artwork or it is media that is being distributed to a large to a large group of your fans, right? So I so I understand that difference. And I mean, you know, like the unions, you're sort of, you know, you're sort of collectively pre-selling. So it's not just one patron. So that is a difference. But on the other hand, I mean, you, you you sort of hinted at it, but there's a hurt to the retailer, sure, because like, you know, you I, there is no reason for me to buy Cards Against Humanity at Wayne's store. It, it, there really isn't. Um, it's just, if I'm doing it, it's well, because I like, it, yeah, I like your store. Well, no, but here's the thing. like Wayne. And, right. Well, well, but, you, but, I, but, I, but I also don't have to buy, I don't have to buy comic books from Wayne's store either. And I haven't yeah. in a long time. Like, I mean, I can get anything that I can get at his store. I am completely capable of ordering, you know, uh, ordering myself on the internet because every Stop. retailer, yes, I'm not, but, but I don't, but I don't, I don't, but that's the point. I, I don't do that. I go you, there and I buy the thing things. Is you, you do have a reason to buy from him. It's that Wayne provides a service, which is curating something mm-hmm. and yeah. providing a physical space for you to go enjoy it. Like there's a difference yes. between online right. shopping yeah. and yes. IRL shopping. That's why I don't, I mean, I have subscriptions to both Marvel and DC's apps for, so like I literally never need to buy it's a paper version same. of a comic book ever again but it's not the same i prefer to go to the store every wednesday i I mean i was just there two hours ago it's like (laughs) a nerd pilgrimage man i'm not even a big comic book reader and i understand this like like and that's that's what we hope to provide is that that space a space for a safe space for your fandom and there's that browsing thing i i don't care how many algorithms i run into on amazon or whatever like hey if you like this you might like this that's different than walking into a store and just seeing something i'll tell you something that catches your eye there is no i mean i've i I have the dc universe app i can read any dc comic book that they've published from their inception until three months ago and i can say without um i can say unironically and completely honestly that if i did not shop at wayne's store i never would be reading batman currently um yeah and i've been and it's been my favorite book for the last two years purely because yeah. you know i go i go to the store and Wayne's like, have you been reading Batman? You should be reading Batman. And I say, you're full of shit. I'm not reading Batman. No one wants to read Batman. I, I, I know no, no, it no. sounds like that, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Batman's like one of the best comic books coming out now. And it, it really shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah. But you only right. know that like the algorithm, the algorithm was never going to recommend Batman to me because it can yeah. look at all my previous views and see, I don't read Batman. I don't care about Batman. Also, yeah. 
based on based on the 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 video games that every algorithm I've experienced thinks that I would enjoy. Holy crap! Algorithms yeah. are bad. Right, yeah. um, <laughs> because, like, these are games I've not only yeah. never heard of. No worse. Yeah. I think they decided. I think they decided because I'm a girl. I like playing like those weird dating games that oh. are heavily misogynistic. Yeah, and right. All right. kind of patriarchal. Because of course you um, do. Which I've never played a relationship simulator, as we have talked about on the show before. Yeah. And I don't particularly want to play an Orientalist rendition of basically what is Romeo and Juliet with, I mean, Romeo and Juliet already has heavy patriarchy with bonus patriarchy. And it's not romantic. um, Just so everyone knows. But like actually Amazon algorithms lately have been sending me recommendations to buy things I've already, I already own some of which I bought through oh, Amazon. Right. And also, also apparently I have babies, which yeah. also the internet has decided. I think just because yeah. I'm, like I'm 29. No, I had to say that's it. Algorithms are very important. So, you know, if you could leave a five-star review for this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, if you leave a five-star review, it will improve the algorithm. So we will all be less I mean, irritated. Yes. yes. Uh, but you know, I, I think that like even you you cannot capture the community of a local comic book or game store on a Kickstarter campaign by or a music shop, yeah, uh, or, any, or, 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 they, or whatever. But like, I think that like a lot of, uh, especially like in the uh, like role playing games that I've invested in, the the creators definitely try to simulate a lot of one on one contact. I think partially because people appreciate the updates to like when the game is coming out instead of like the air umbrella people who are like, where's my umbrella slash money <laughs> umbrella slash money. <laughs> well, I think like, I mean, I, I, but I, I do think that's a good point because I mean, I, so I fund uh, a few people on Patreon at like the level of like a dollar a month mm-hmm. um, as more of a gesture of goodwill because grad students um, and, and like Patreon, I think is made in a more interesting platform for recreating that kind of community because there's like, an option to do much more of like a back back and forth chat like uh, message board almost kind of like aspect to it than is um really happens on kickstarter but even then yeah it feels very like anemic and it feels more like a it feels more fan clubby because it it's more like you talking to the creator rather than a bunch of nerds getting to a space yeah. in a space together and spontaneously nerding out like one of our local game shops in uh, Durham, uh, Atomic Empire, not sponsored, but my fave. Uh, but they, but they, but they should. Well, they have like they have like they have like game tables up in the back, and you can come and hang out and bring your own games. Uh, my D and D group has met there multiple times, and just like be around like minded nerds, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the internet will never reproduce. No, like that. Uh, like right, um, playing is the not best. the same when you like play on. The best chat forum will never right. will never replace being in 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 nerdland with other nerds. Real people, you. <laughs> hey, I like being around other people. I just like actually, actually talking to them. It, it, it's where nerds go to learn social skills, <laughs> right? Well, because I could be around nerds but not actually interact with them. It's wonderful. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I'm, on the, if I'm on the internet, in order to have a sense of community, I actually have to interact with people. I can't just like be sitting there. Yeah. And and we get that. How many times have you and I been in a conversation at the store and someone that, you know, is not a normal part of our conversation just happens to be there in the last couple hours. But 
Yeah, you're yeah, any time. Yeah, you just, you just, you just joined the conversation. I, mean, I was at the store two hours ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was at the store two hours ago, and that literally happened twice. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it happened. Yeah. So, in the last twenty-two years that I've worked there, and you've come in on Wednesday, how many times has that? Happened? So that's, that's a big reason of why See? this show exists, and why we were talking about the game. Yeah, that's exactly the right. reason. The show is the reason the show was designed so as to have. I mean, I, I want it regulars, which is why the four of us are here. But the reason we have different guests on every week is the entire idea should be you're in a you're in a communal hangout spot. You know, like we pretend it's a bar, like, you know, drinking and swearing. You're, but you're right. in a nerd. Well, emporium. It basically yeah. came from like Mav and I either like yeah, hanging out in our lounge. version of like, <laughs> right, hanging yeah. out in the grad student lounge and then you and Wayne hanging out in the comic book right. shop. And I mean, yeah. Hannah and I have a very similar like grad student lounge. Like people come in and out, mm-hmm. you have talk about weird stuff. And then there'll be someone talking about, you know, Marxist reading of say the survivor. And then mm-hmm. you suddenly all are watching survivor together right. in a break room between classes. Right. And that's in, and the, the grad student lounge was exactly that. I mean, when, when, right. when Katya and I were talking about it, everyone's stressed out and over caffeinated. Right. And it could, and it could have been, you know, because she and I would have weird conversations about random pop culture stuff all the time because that's just our thing. It's much like with Wayne. Um, And then the other person might, you know, the other person or people might be um, Kyle, your boyfriend at the time. It might be our friend, Jess. It could be, you know, it it could be our friend, Jeff, any, you know, whoever happened to be around, you know, might've just joined in that conversation. Same thing that happens at the comic store. So yeah, crowdfunding can't, it can't exactly replace or crowd. I shouldn't say just crowdfunding. Um, crowd forums can't exactly replace that. It can simulate that. You know, what's nice about things like this is you get that niche, you get that community where right. there, you know, root never exists in 1984. Like that, you know, that can't happen. It can't exist in 1994. There just is not enough of a community of people specifically looking for murderous bunny games. Cause the closest thing, I mean, in fact, I don't know if you, Wayne, you might hey, remember. I was that market. Yeah. Well, no, but also clearly you haven't seen borderlands because it's an entire character based around that yeah but i but but it's not to i mean it's not to the extent that root is because I'm, I'm thinking about back in the closest thing i can think of to what root is um back in like the 90s in a game store or in a you know a, in a brick and mortar physical game store like the one you know wayne well you know we're, they have two buildings but essentially the one wayne works for um the you know do you remember the game munchkin yeah yeah oh god munchkin i love munchkin i have one there are still comics coming out. Uh, yeah, Munchkin's a role-playing game about killing stuff. Uh, there's there's now a Shakespeare version. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a new edition of Munchkin, Munchkin yeah. I swear, like every mm-hmm. year. They're great. The Space Munchkin, mm-hmm. totally play Space Munchkin. That was a niche game, but even then, it had to be... That wasn't that niche. Well, that's, that's what I'm getting at. It had to be widespread enough in appeal that right. it was worth some publisher making a copy. Um, you know, yeah. It, but like now, you literally can say... No, here's the game. Bunnies killing each other. Well, it's not That's the whole game. Bunnies. It's about bunnies and mice and foxes bunnies. rebelling against the evil cats. <laughs> it's Redwall. Yes. It's Redwall the board game. Basically. And they need five people in order to make it worth it. I mean, they have they have more than that, but like it, but it, but it's worth it if they get five people or you know or whatever they set it to. But you know, if you set your minimum thing and you say, I need to make ten thousand dollars to make this game worth it, and ten thousand right. dollars 
is, you know, at 20 bucks a piece, I need 500 people. I will run a, if I can get 500 people, I'll run 500 print copy and I'm done. And that can be anywhere in the world. And that's amazing. That means you're not limited to, uh, you know, like things like things like Munchkin or one of my favorite games that we keep saying we're going to do on the show at some point. There's a game called Macho Women with Guns, which is a role playing game wherein everybody plays a macho woman with a gun. <laughs> that is the entire game. Um, but like that starts with a niche market and it's got to, you know, you got to impress enough people at your one game store to where you make enough money right. to print copies that you can take to your one comic book show or game show. I mean, this is, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles model, right? Like you just or like Gen Con or something. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get right. enough to where you could, or also enough where you can approach a publisher right. because that also happens in yeah. the game industry well, where basically you, you get enough backers to produce the thing, proof of concept, yeah. and then you sell it to somebody well, else. You don't need to do that anymore. You needed the money. Yeah. Well, in, you know, in the past before print on demand, publishing was expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it costs money to do this stuff. And, and you know, I, the Peter Laird, who was one of the co-creators of the Turtles and multi-gazillionaire, <laughs> he started. He has he, way he did, more than uh, a gazillion dollars. <laughs> pro- probably, probably. I can't. That's all as high as I can count. For. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, for for twenty years, he ran the Zurich Foundation X E R I C, which funded uh, nonprofit organizations in his home state, I believe, of Vermont at the time, and self-published comics. He gave out eight grants a year. Uh, my friend Fred and I got the very first one in 1993. First of a batch of four, uh, my, our, us and three other people were funded. And he did this for 20 years, giving away a lot of money. And it primarily went to pay your printer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything else was on you, but essentially the money he gave you was to pay the printer. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then Kickstarter came up and he kind of stopped doing it because suddenly that need wasn't there for self-publishers anymore. You print on demand made things cheaper. You could go to, there was a, what, Kablam was one of them. There were mm-hmm. s- several others. Wait, who, I've even seen, it, seen people use it to fund research. Like it's more yeah. common on GoFundMe, but I've seen Kickstarters, like gra- grad students are something like, I'm trying to fund this research project. Or this art, like I'm an art student and I'm trying to get mm-hmm. to this like studio project, like do the studio project, like mm-hmm. please help me find supplies. I've seen many it's art right. projects, but a grad student art yeah. project of I'd like to go and paint in Alaska, you know, buy pre buy the posters by going to Kickstarter. And I've seen that happen. So, yeah, though, I, yeah. I did ask my, my sister is an artist and works um, for Kintuck in Alabama and like runs the gallery shop. And I asked her before this episode, you know, do do you like know of artists like using Kickstarter? And she knew of a couple, but it isn't, I think, as prevalent in the same mm-hmm. way it has been for the board game industry in particular. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think th- individual artists tend to use Patreon yeah. a lot more. Right. Well, I think it's also like, I mean, the problem, I think the, the challenge is one, there are certain populations that are more active on Kickstarter. I think comic books are one of them. The gaming community, both digital and analog, is definitely one of them. I think just because, I think partially because of like the certain nerd communities that are willing to back these kinds of things. Because the other stuff that I've seen that like does really well is usually like product manufacturing for a company that kind of already exists Mm -hmm. um, and pre-orders and things like that. I also have seen like some like fashion, like some like indie fashion brands will like do the like pre-sales, like use it as basically a pre-sale platform. They're not actually getting necessarily the startup funds from it, but they're basically just, yeah, using it as an elaborate way to pre-order. The other one I see is movies for people who are already famous enough that they probably go through the studio system, but don't want to. Veronica Mars being one of them with Kristen Bell. Mm -hmm. Well, that had like some issues because it was TV, but like it still like was a product that people knew 
Like like mm-hmm. ki- like Kickstarter is one of its most successful like campaigns for games. He's exploring kittens, but that's from oatmeal, and mm-hmm. people right. knew that. Um, right. And uh, funny, well, not I don't know. Maybe I only find it funny. I really wanted exploring kittens, and originally Josh told me he didn't think it was a good idea because the kittens would explode and I would cry. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, like, well, I'll be honest, I I own it. It's an elaborate form of go yeah, fish. No, it is. But I own it because he he cracked and he bought me. One of those, uh, like limited edition, like, you, you know, you kick in early on my box meows right. when it opens. <laughs> That's great. Um, I would buy it just for that. I just want that, the box. That meows. Explodes. 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 Right. It does not explode. Unfortunately, yeah, which fortunately. I think actually, which I think actually demonstrates like also the problem with Kickstarter, because like, you know, I enjoy the oatmeal and I own the game, you know, from maybe from like a art standpoint and an amusingness standpoint because like the cards are funny it's great gameplay uh no like and i'm not saying it's a bad game but it is elaborate it's an elaborate form of go fish Mm -hmm. that i spent 25 bucks on and well cards against humanity is just apples apples they're the same game just apples apples with mean mean cards i think it's i think (laughs) i think the difference is well actually both apples to apples and cards against humanity are replayable because you can never get the same experience twice right. you can play exploding kittens for an hour and you will never want to play it again <laughs> i like it because it's it is the same lot, yeah. it's the, because it's the same exact experience like it, it lacks replayability and that's what i say like it's not an it's not a great game in the sense that it's not challenging it's a very like it's a kid's game yeah it's which is fine I know kids who like it and adults who like it when we're drunk that's i mean it, it's fun right, to play when you're drunk that's 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 the entire rule of floating kittens and i think like especially coming from the oatmeal and I, they never like sold it as anything more complicated than what it is but i think like a lot of folks were like sort of anticipating something something more a little bit more elaborate um because they didn't tell you it was basically go fish even though it is that's it i just want to point out i own three decks of playing cards that I've bought from Kickstarter because they were produced by some some guy who I like the art of. Like I've literally, no, I mean three different guys, yeah. but I like. Oh, I like this guy's artwork, and he's making a playing card deck. I will buy fifty two little tiny paintings that this man has done, and so I've done it three times. You could use that to play Go Fish and other things. Absolutely, you, yes. Kittens, you can play. And I never have. They're just uh, they're just sitting on a shelf because I wanted to support the arts. Great. I have a pinup deck of cards for a very similar reason. Um, but I think like that's the, the risk of Kickstarter is like, you're not going to see game reviews or I mean, reviews of whatever it is. You're not going to know exactly what you're getting until you have it. And by then it's like you have it. Right. Yeah. You're buying, you're buying vaporware, which is actually one of the other things we want to talk about, which is, you know, there's the dark side of Kickstarter as well, which is Kickstarter as a company. And rightly so. I'm not saying they're wrong to do this. They make no guarantee of quality and not really a guarantee of existence because <laughs> deliverance. Yeah. Well, things. So there were there yeah, were a couple examples we talked platform. about. They're not a retailer. Right. And there are a couple of things that we pointed out on the blog there uh, on the blog. Some things that there are some famous Kickstarter non-starters um <laughs> where like my, my favorite one is the that i talked about in the blog yeah. maybe? Well, no my favorite one is the air umbrella somebody came up with this force filled umbrella it's, a, it's an umbrella <laughs> it's a stick that like basically encases you in a bubble of air to protect i remember the seeing ads for this yeah, actually a couple hundred bucks and these people made let me let me pull it up because I believe they made a couple hundred thousand dollars and then went away and no one's heard from them since. He was like, you'll see on the message board, like, where is my umbrella? 
like <laughs> where's the or update like and you know you yeah hundred and two thousand two hundred and forty dollars hundred and two thousand two hundred forty dollars I remember like looking at when a friend of mine was making a Kickstarter campaign, I mean, it's actually surprising though how little, at least at the time, and this was granted like four or five years ago, so maybe it's changed since then, like how little Kickstarter actually requires of their creators in terms of, like they suggest, like most of, like basically they're more like suggestions than rules. Mm-hmm. They suggest regular contact. They suggest all these things to basically what makes a successful Kickstarter campaign. They don't actually like Kickstarter does not place you under any kind of obligation. It's a donation a platform. Right. You're- Which is interesting because I'm just like thinking of like, okay, my Airbnb, like, like, cause I was like, not that they're in the same, re- the, the same market space, but like Airbnb, for example, could make the argument that they're, they're a platform rather than like they're a middleman. They're not actually responsible yeah. for their properties. And they do sort of, hold that position to a large extent, but they do also expect their like air, like Airbnb hosts are expected mm-hmm. to fulfill certain obligations. And Uber is the same thing, but, but I think the difference right. is so, and, and this is a very clever slash evil. I don't know how you want to look at it. Cause you, the reason you end up with air, with air umbrella types of scenarios is Kickstarter is very clear that no one buys anything on Kickstarter. We say that, but what actually, right. what yeah. actually happens is you are giving a donation to an artist, to a creator and the creator is, in their appreciation gifting you with a product maybe um where where this matters so a kickstarter that i donated to that i like i literally essentially donated to was when um when lavar burton decided to bring back reading rainbow as an app i decided that i wanted this to exist because hey reading rainbow is awesome and a really good idea and you know i think kids should read that is kind of a kind of this wacky this is wacky opinion that i have and uh, i just wanted to give him money um so i thought i would like to give them twenty dollars and at the twenty i think it was twenty whatever i said but i think i said like twenty dollars and at the twenty dollar level i was able to select things like you can have a six month subscription to the reading rainbow premium content app or you can have um i can't remember what the other thing was but there were a couple of things that were and i'm like i'm a grown man i'm not gonna read this random thing so literally i took the only thing that i took from it was the two dollar level you can get a bookmark. I just wanted the bookmark because, hey, I like reading Rainbow and I have a little bookmark. And but really, this was just a way of me giving them twenty dollars. And that's technically what all of them are. Almost every Kickstarter campaign you ever yeah, see has right. a one dollar pledge level where you get nothing. Yeah. You get a, you get our eternal oh, base, you know, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> you know like, like our uh, I won't say our favorite bar, but the bar that Katya and I frequent almost every week. Uh, we'll say cider works originally had to move um, for lots of complicated reasons. We don't have to get into. So they had a Kickstarter to help them like keep their business. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I like, I wasn't buying into the company. If I contributed, mm-hmm. I was just helping my bar survive. Right. We were, ins- you, we yeah, were ensuring get, that weekly trivia would continue. Do you even get a drink or anything or do you, it, you it, get their eternal thanks? You, I assume. You know, they, they had some rewards, but it, you know, it wasn't like, they like you more. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what you said. We get, the, we have their yeah. goodwill. Yeah. But, you, know, you have a place to go in and a hang sort out. Of abstract <laughs> way. Although, actually, yeah. I mean, yeah, we we hang out there. You know, it's good. The trivia is there. They 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 don't card me. 
We've won. I swear she's 21. We've won a upsetting number of pint glasses. You know, I am. I am quite proud of the fact that we won trivia best team name for putting the word poop emoji in binary. That was great. And um, also, I'm not going to say it on air because we're going to use it this week. But we need to do the, the thing that Josh suggested. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, to to take us back, but you know, even like the model of just straight up donations in a like 30 day time frame to Kickstarter has been questioned for like certain types of products. Like um, there's another company that's kind of like Kickstarter called Fig. uh, And it's used to like crowdfund video games. Um, And its CEO, Justin Bailey, recently gave an interview comparing themselves to Kickstarter and said that actually Kickstarter's campaign... I mean, of course he's saying this because his format's different. Kickstarter's format doesn't work super well for video games because, you know, there's a lot of, like, development that goes on in creation and there's a lot of, like, money you need before you can even, like, start figuring out exactly how it's going to be. Whereas if you have a board game, when you see, like, Kickstarter advertisements for board games, you, like, see kind of, like, a prototype finished product and Mm -hmm. they need more money to, like, make a billion of them. Yeah. Well, and also, like, for video games, depending on, like, how many people you're working on, the timescale to development isn't months. It can potentially be years. Mm -hmm. And Kickstarter, like, doesn't really work on those kinds of timelines. That's true with some of the graphic novels as well. I I supported one, like, an old creator from the 80s did a book, uh, Mav, Tim Truman's book, Scout. Okay, which I was a, which I was a big fan of in the eighties, and and he hasn't done anything in that world in years. I saw him at a convention a year and a half ago. He's doing a sequel to the series I read and loved in the eighties through Kickstarter. It's one of those things that, as much as he's worked in the industry, nobody would publish this product today because nobody remembers this book except me and six other people. Mm-hmm. But, but we Just all, all you need on Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah, so we all continue the Kickstarter, but as long as those three, those three to six people have enough money, yeah, and yep. you know, and it got funded like not quite a year and a half ago. But and we and he's really good at, at constant updates. But you know, he's drawn a three hundred page graphic novel takes a while. By himself. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of a weird question because, you know, we've mentioned a couple of times the niches that work, you know, it's niches, they're essentially subcultures to go back to another one of our former shows. But yeah. like, but right. the subcultures that work, it works really well for the board game industry. It works kind of well for the comic industry. I, we were lucky in that, you know, when we, when we crowdfunded Hellcats, that was to start with. We started, you know, we started Hellcats through crowdfunding because Max and I really, really wanted to do a, a physical comic book rather than just a web comic. And I had enough of an internet following to make it work. Most of the successful comic book um, uh, crowdfunding are, hey, I've been, you know, I've been running this web comic for the last two years and I've got some fans. So why don't you guys chip in for a story you've already read? And that's mm-hmm. kind of weird yeah. because you don't really need it. You could just do, you know, Kablam, which is, by the way, that's who I used to do my printing. Wayne mentioned them earlier. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they, they they will do print on demand. I don't really need to sell a hundred or a thousand or even 10 copies. If I want to just buy one copy of my book from Kablam, you can do that. I can do that. I don't need to crowdfund a novel. Crowdfunding a novel is dumb. Like if I write a novel when I'm done with it, I put it on Amazon and people buy it and Amazon will kindle it to you. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how we, you've got how many, how many books do you have on Amazon currently? I I have, I have, 
I have four books available through through Kindle and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and all four of them are available as as paperbacks as well. Right, because when 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 someone buys one, Amazon says, "Oh, okay, print another copy of the Wayne book." Right, like that's yeah, it. And, and 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 send him ninety three cents. Yeah, and, that, <laughs> and <laughs> you're right, and that's and that's fine. That's a that's a fine model because there's no, um, frankly having published a photography book and several comic books, having a, a box in your basement of, you know, of your back stock is kind of annoying. I don't really want that. It's actually kind I, of nice. I have, <laughs> you have great legacy have, from 1980. I, I have, I have unopened boxes of the book. We got the Zurich grant for in my basement right now. Right. And that, <laughs> they are 25 years old. Right. The, the tape has never been cut because you, because we had to do a print run. Right. And it's oh, nice yeah. to not have to do that. And I understand, but that doesn't work as well for for games like you know you, when you make your game you have your you have your well, exploding kittens proof of concept but you need to know how many of them you can sell and i don't know but like for video games that's really hard because for video games or air umbrellas you know you have your proof of concept right. but it it might not really work you might not be able to actually make a force field air umbrella and well, then so well, you just disappear and- <laughs> video game is also video games are also prob- like a problem I mean because in some ways which it's different than crowdfunding but in this in some ways this is why beta editions exist right, right. in the video game industry so like I've bought into like I, I actually have several sitting on my switch right now um, of like of betas where basically uh, for non-gamers uh, basically a beta edition is basically it's not the completed game and when you buy it it's usually a reduced price than what will final edition be so similar to what Kickstarter would be it's functional. You can play it. Um, there's no promises that the game will ever be finished. Mm-hmm. Precisely for the reason that Mav just mentioned, it may not work. The company may fold. Um, things like that. Um, and it's also you. Usually, when you buy a, a beta, you don't have to do this, but I think most people do. It's actually part of the fun reasons, like what reasons I enjoy getting on beta. Uh, I was actually on Twitter beta back in the day. Uh, <laughs> and you, oh God, and you love it so much to this day. <laughs> I, I hate it actually because I, I love Twitter before hashtags existed. I'm pretty sure I used Twitter um, exactly how it was used in beta mode, and that's why I'm so terrible at Twitter. <laughs> right, and that's exactly what I love about Twitter. I love Twitter when it is absolutely useless. Once Twitter became useful, I hated it. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, but beta is great because you also, and I think this goes back to the community issue we were talking about a while ago. Uh, you become basically a beta tester, mm-hmm. so you can send in feedback. You can, if you find bugs, and you're not getting paid for it, so there's an ethics of like paid labor, unpaid labor, things like that. Um, but as a gamer and also someone who's like, at least as a hobbyist interested in de- like game development, like it's interesting and it's cool. Um, and there's been some games like uh, sponsored by academic labs that like I've emailed them with suggestions and sort of like, oh, here's some research for why you should like put this in there. And they'll be like, yeah, we'll put we'll like put that on our list of like things to think about. And it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means you have to have a working prototype in advance. And that working prototype may have taken you two years to get mm-hmm. to. Which is also why the Kickstarter funding model, I think, for games is problematic. The beta will give you an influx of cash Mm -hmm. sort of like towards the end of development, but you may not have anything to show for a very long time. Two years of labor that, you know, you're paying people because, well, okay, you can make a video game by yourself. You know, I've actually written a small video game by myself because if you have enough programming knowledge or design that you can do that, that's a lot of work. It's something that people do as a hobby and it doesn't. 
you know, right. so although you actually don't even know how to program now, depending on what software, depending you on what you want to, well, yeah, depending on what you want to write and everything, right? It depends on you know right. there are things you can do. It's still the the idea of of game development is still not at the level of we mentioned every show we mentioned Max Thoughtform Music, um, Thoughtform Music right. is a band name, but the band Thoughtform is the official band is one guy it's just max and then sometimes other people are in the band like other musician friends of his he might say hey i want you on this song but when max wants to write a song the only thing he ever needs is himself he is he is always capable of you know however long it takes him to write the song in his head he can go and grab his guitar or his magic crazy midi board thing, um, little instrument or one of several instruments that he's designed. And he can always literally just go to the studio in his house. And if he didn't have a house, you know, he could use uh, with the studio, you know, garage bands are a thing, right? You can go in your garage and you can cut an MP3 that you can upload to Apple and sell. And if anybody happens to buy it, you make your 12 cents or whatever, right? Like that is a, that is a thing that everybody is capable of doing in a way that you can do that with, you know, Apple will happily sell you, put you on their game store, on their app store, just as much as the MP3 store. But the barrier to entry is still a lot higher than it is for yeah. music or for writing a novel. Like the only thing that totally. the only barrier to entry for Wayne's book is that Wayne had to learn how to write good stories. But like the physical, actual te- technological need you needed was you need to know how to type, right? Actually, to be yeah. fair, um, right. the barrier to entry to write a novel is not to write good stories, but just to write words. Right. Well, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> not, but that's not common the on you. The, th- the thousand mon- the thousand monkeys on a thousand keyboards kind yeah. of thing. Well, I, I like, yeah. I mean, and, I, and I, I think that's true because they probably are. Um, because I mean, I will say, like I do think that like the barrier to entry actually partially because of Apple is making like app de- like app development kits, or if they're not making them, they're sponsoring them, and I have to go check on that. Mm-hmm. But it is like I know like making an app now is like a fairly common ish yeah, senior like senior honors thesis mm-hmm. now. Um, at least I've seen like a few a few projects like that, which is why you find some very weird apps occasionally will show up in your Apple searches. There's mm-hmm. a good chance that that was a student project. Um, but yeah, that's again like a pro- like a year long project rather than. And that will change. So, for instance, to speak about Apple, you know, they have Swift Playgrounds, which is I mean, and, and Apple is not the only person that does this, but Swift, Swift Playgrounds, Swift is a computer programming language. Playgrounds is basically Apple's app that is for kid development. It's their training app so that kids can write computer programs. And I was talking to my my mother babysits my niece a lot. So I was talking to my niece uh, on FaceTime you know, last week and asked her what she'd been up to. And she's like, Oh, you know, I'm doing this. I'm reading this book. I'm learning to code. And my mom looked at her and said, Oh, where are you learning to code? And she goes in my room, in my room. And she's like, when, when did you start doing that? And um, Sophia, Sophia, who's been on the show, or at least her voice was when I interviewed her one time, she was like, Oh, I started three weeks ago because she decided she wanted to learn. So she, you know, pulled up some YouTube videos in her tablet and that's, that's how she's learning, you know? And I would have loved that so much when I was a kid, I was like learning like HTML and shit when I was 12. God, I wish YouTube was doing that. And and I did it from, (laughs) I did it from books, from from books in the library. Um, But, but like, I mean, so we were nerds enough to like want to do a lot of work, but she's learning to code in the same way. I mean, you know, you, she could go and take actual lessons, but a lot of kids learn to play the guitar by somebody handing them a guitar I mean, and they sit there and they pick at it yeah, in their room, and then, like messing around. Right, and that's what she's doing. She's, well, yeah, she's there's like a, in her room. 
I have this really great app uh, that's like an RPG that instead of going in quests, you learn how to code Python. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Mm-hmm. When I was 12, I ran around the woods and pretending the stick was a sword. <laughs> that's also great. And it early, and, early and that made play. you the man you are today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I was also doing that. I was also very into Nerf Wars in my house and forts. Um, so I guess, like, I mean, I'm kind of interested in just sort of like your guys' personal takes because I feel like we've come up with like a lot of like, I, f- I feel like the, like at least the consensus I'm hearing is sort of like, we like the potential of Kickstarter, but as far as Kickstarter itself in application, we're all kind of like, uh, I'm still, I'm still a good and bad place. You know, like I, like, so yeah. at the end of the day, you know, for the one time I've used it as, I've used it several times as a consumer, but, but one time as a creator and for, you know, and I didn't get rich, but for what Max and I set out to do, it accomplished what we wanted to do. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to do that because of something like Kickstarter in a way that like, right. you know, it, if I'd had to, if I'd had to put up my own money to do it, I would have made a lot less because, you know, not that I'm not that I got rich yeah. and that's, so it, it's got benefits like that. And also, right. you know, if you get lucky, you can become an exploding kittens, right. Or, or, mm-hmm. or, 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 um, mm-hmm. um, uh, cards against humanity or any number of, you know, far more successful comic uh, comic books than than mine you know or Wayne's you know like they're like that that is a thing that can happen and that's to be able to do that without going to uh Marvel Comics or Mattel you know that's well and without it being a potential financial disaster right right. like I think that's the other important Mm -hmm. thing is like because in, in, in another universe where this didn't exist there is like the idea that like if well if you put even if it's like relatively comparatively modest sum you put up say like two thousand dollars or in some cases ten thousand dollars or whatever how much money it is uh like to produce this thing and then and then you find out there's no market and you're stuck with a basement full of board games and a few thousand dollars in credit card debt like you're kind of screwing yourself over in a different way Mm -hmm. um so i like i imagine this is like more or less like positive for creators i mean it, it is i think you're your experience with the platform is like so heavily dependent on which creators you fund and I which mean, ones you don't. As, as a person who is many dollars lighter because of Kickstarter <laughs> campaigns, um, <laughs> they know that awesome crowd, man. They know yeah, that you're and apparently there. the cute animal board game crowd. Uh, <laughs> hey man, that's what the internet was made for is cute, yeah. adorable animals. If there were a game where Jane Austen was reenacted by cute animals. And there we are. Excuse me, I would Everybody buy that. Everybody would buy that. <laughs> but the, you know, I, I think that like a thing that a myth that goes around about Kickstarter because of its creators being, you know, who they are in a lot of cases and producing products that speak to more than just like the white male nerdum audience so they certainly do that too um mm-hmm. you know like kickstarter has like gotten a reputation for like holding a lot of shall we say progressive ish products or like products that people with progressive politics like to buy like that pro union board game um or what have you but i think that you know with with the union fight also just with like how the world works we need to like remember there's no ethical consumption under capitalism <laughs> <laughs> right well i mentioned like 
But like well, before the show, like basically, <laughs> I mean, that's what capitalism is good for. Uh, but like, I think I mentioned before the show is basically like we were talking a little bit about this. The issue that Hannah brought up is basically that Kickstarter took capitalism and doused it in millennial pink and <laughs> served it with a side of like avocado toast. Like it made it palatable. No, it did though. Like it made it, it like Kickstarter made conventional capitalism like palatable to a more millennial audience and like it is like capitalism in a way that feels nicer because it's it's it is more populist kind of what we've been talking about um well it's also illusory it's though kind of this, like because the entire the right trick, that's what i'm the saying trick of kickstarter was kickstarter wayne you said this very early on it eliminates the middleman but no it doesn't they just they've become the middleman like most disruptors your kickstarters your ubers your airbnb yeah. you know it, they eliminate the middleman i hate the term disruptor yeah. i hate it yeah, i know but anyone who ever says that they're disrupting anything is probably well, not no, they they're, they're <laughs> often disrupting it but like off, often not in the way that they're saying right like like sure right well they're doing they're doing a very old thing and they've put they're disrupting it by putting it basically in a new format to a different audience right because so when i when, when i say Kickstarter, kickstarter is a disruptor which they claim to be they have disrupted the board game um market that is undeniable it's why wayne's boss hates them right and because now <laughs> i mean it is right and one of the great things yes. about that disruption is they've made something like root possible they've also severely cut into the profits that Wayne, like, because Wayne, because Wayne's boss cannot sell um, cards against humanity for any reasonable price wherein he makes the same amount of money. Well, he can now because they're available through his distributor now. Yeah. But like back when they were only th- only an Internet order to buy them, he'd have to mark them up and he cannot sell them for any amount of money that makes it profitable to not sell apples to apples instead. Like it just right. it just isn't it's not yeah. a viable thing. And, you know, Kickstarter is still the middleman there. Right. Like they're just a different kind right. of middleman. One that's yeah. like sort of, you know, they're an aggregator that has accepted no actual responsibility. At the end of the day, if I'm really, really unhappy with a product that I buy from Wayne's store, I can go yell at his boss. I mean, he won't do anything. And he'll say, what are you going to do? Not shop here. You've been shopping here for 25 years. Now go away. <laughs> you know, Wayne's boss is also. <laughs> Wayne's boss is also yeah, a friend to, of mine. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be fair, we we would do everything we could to replace whatever the problem yes. was. Oh, <laughs> also, to be fair, you could in worst case you buy something and like you don't like it and you return it or right. whatever, but you have something as opposed to Kickstarter where you're still waiting on your air umbrella. Right. Like neither does neither Kickstarter nor the creator has any liability. Right. Yes. Right. Because as I've mentioned, it's a donation. You're not actually person is purchasing anything. Mm-hmm. Everything that is happening here is a gentleman's agreement. Yeah. And I think, I mean, which is, I think another way of saying like the weird thing is about Kickstarter is that it's, it's both the good things and the bad things about the gig economy. It's not quite the same thing as say like an Uber or a Lyft or something like that, but it's still the same kind of model of project to project, paycheck to paycheck, self-employed. Mm-hmm. And there are, and for in Kickstarter's case, I think there's more benefits to that that model because of like some of the things we mentioned. Like you have access to production in a way that you didn't when say like you're writing a comic book and the only place people to go through are Marvel and DC. But it also means that like the like the the liability is not there. The guarantee that you're going to get anything is not there for the end consumer. And it's also, I mean, for the creator, I think it's like it's also the problem. And I think this is potentially why a lot of like fine arts people 
go to Patreon instead of uh, Kickstarter is that as much as I mean, I think this is different from like the old school patron system. I think there is still an element where it's, I don't know if it's creative control exactly, but you still have to, I don't want to say mass audience, um, but you still have to sort of, there is a Kickstarter audience mm-hmm. and it's different than what it used to be. But I would be willing to bet that a lot of creators have basically tried to figure out like, what is it that makes a game successful on Kickstarter? And let's do that rather yes. than let's do what I want to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that won't be funded on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And Kickstarter actually does have guidelines. Like if you go in to be a, a creator for like different things of like what's sellable and what's not. And I've seen Reddit threads for like board games and video games mm-hmm. about like what kinds of genres, um, what kind of themes, like what can you do, like push the envelope on and what can't you do in order to be popular in Kickstarter? Because as much as, you know, maybe six people can fund some one project, I mean, usually it's several hundred and it's a lower benchmark than something else, but it's still a benchmark. Yeah. Well, but maybe it gets better. So, so to take an example of, you know, that's really in that same arena, but not as obviously so, because it's free, this show, right? This show doesn't exist in any world where we have to have in order to have a radio show, you have to have an actual radio broadcaster who's willing to, you know, to do your, because we do something very specific and very niche. And I love this show and hopefully you do too, listener. But, um, but like, which is why you should give us a five star review. Yes. On iTunes. <laughs> but, but that's, you're pushing that hard this week. Yeah. But, but I mean, but that's the entire thing, right? Like this show exists in a world where technology has gotten to the point where it's accessible. Yeah. Where it's like, like we have a show because I know enough about like the internet to like sort of run a website like that. that that's yeah. it. And, that, and, right. and, and and we can do this from four different places, yes. physical locations. Mm-hmm. Right. And equipment is, is accessible enough and inexpensive enough that yeah. it's at least feasible. Right. We all had laptops already. Yeah. <laughs> right. Based, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So does this mean we're going to have to get a Patreon now just as like a form of like we ha- field we research? We have one that's not linked anywhere because I haven't decided what to do with it yet. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so it's literally. I didn't like, even know that. Um, yeah, I made one a long time ago. I like signed up and I don't, and I've literally never done anything with it. It's a, it's a blank page. Maybe eventually. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what we would do. Like if we had a Patreon, yeah. like, um, so <laughs> you're, you're, give us money. I guess for- the question is like, I like in some ways I think it would be interesting to start a Patreon and see what happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, give us money for something you're already getting for oh, free. We could make t-shirts that say, so we resolved nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which I not now just. That's true. So, so the inside joke there is, um, we, you know, we have a we have an idea board that the four of us share. And um, one of the things that's been on since like, I think, yeah, I think since before Hannah was here. So like week three or four, when Wayne first started saying that the three of us were, oh, we need we've resolved nothing T-shirts and they don't <laughs> exist because they don't. the work of actually making a T-shirt is, you know, an hour out of my life that I haven't felt like dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> so someone should pay us. <laughs> right. So here we go. Yeah, this is what the Patreon is for. Is if if five hundred people start to get a one one dollar a month thing, then everyone gets a t shirt. Right. No. Oh, oh you mean oh you mean the four of us, yes. Or <laughs> I, we're not making a t shirts for five hundred people for a dollar each, but well no, the t shirts are for a dollar dollar each. You get a dollar a month per person. Ah, I see. <laughs> That's how Patreon works. It's a monthly charge. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, right. a lot of podcasts have them. Um, our, our good friend, I'll give him a plug, you know, and Danny, you can thank us for the plug by, I don't know. Giving us a five-star review on iTunes. 
This is our currency. <laughs> but um, the Sectarian Review, they have a Patreon that he just started to defray costs. And he's got some, you know, he's got a few ideas of, of, of you know, here's what you get at this level. Here's what you get at this level. Here's what you get at this level. And my worry has always been, you know, and this is sort of this is sort of a drawback for crowdfunding type things. It was the problem we had when we when we did the Hellcats one. If you're going to have tiered levels of um, of gifts, now you have to figure out what you're going to do. Like it, like every tier is more yeah. work for you, and you got to make them worth it for the, well, yeah. for the person to and do. But like, and that's the problem is also like we already all I mean between the four of us, like especially for Matt who does most of the editing. Right, we're busy all the time with like actual the things that actually pay our bills, and then on top of it, like yeah, this 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 show does does take a decent chunk of time. Or for instance, I know um you know our friends at protagonists they also have they have a they have a um, a patrons only feed that they that they do their Patreon, which is a really really brilliant idea. Except for then we'd have to record another show. <laughs> I was like, oh god, no. So so that's so what I'm getting from this is not only have we solved nothing, but also crowdfunding has not really solved. <laughs> I mean, a lot even either. people who are in crowd crowdfunding say that they've resolved nothing <laughs> so yeah yay hooray in case you're wondering, dear listener, it is now past all of our bedtime. Yeah, well, yes. you know, what we've resolved though is, you know, people people should people should write us reviews for five stars because that is our that is our currency of note. <laughs> but also, yes. you know, right. yes. and it's free to you. Yes, we are we are we are crowdfunding reviews. If you want to if you want to go to the website www.voxpopcast.com with all of our pleas for reviews, we didn't actually you know plug the blog this time. But if you go there and you look at the show notes for this episode, I would love for people to tell us if we were to have have something like a patreon what the fuck should we do with it let us know yeah. <laughs> like what we, yeah, let us know what do you want from us Ooh, can the one dollar reward is you get pictures of my cat like <laughs> doing stupid things during the show oh, i could like, also i'm not gonna lie that. it happens uh, my cat's locked out of this room <laughs> my cat's about to climb a bookcase <laughs> you, you know what you know what we can offer is is at the highest level they get all the stuff you cut out of these episodes when you edit them. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would that would. Can't that would be hilarious or painful. Oh, it's like it's it, it, it's it's like for a million dollars you get to hear Hannah swear like a sailor. <laughs> do oh yeah, sure. <laughs> But see, that's the thing is we build up the mythos and people are just trying to constantly get to that level. <laughs> uh, you know, if someone gives me a million dollars, I'll record an outtake. <laughs> you mean this entire show's on an outtake? Yeah. Wait a second. I've been lied to. Uh, at the $100 Patreon le- uh, um, level, you get to see Hannah's weekly reviews of Riverdale, the greatest show on television. <laughs> uh, and my cat. Quietly meowing in the background because something has gone horribly wrong. My cat pawing at the door. Uh, I thought you. I thought you were going to say my cat was your cat was doing saying something mean about me, but <laughs> which is also quite possible. Um, I don't. I, don't is, I think trying to do a headstand right now. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> we have no guests to thank this week so <laughs> Hannah can, can you imagine what, thank you to our can cats you, can you imagine what the outtakes are if we lift, left all this in <laughs> oh god <laughs> Hannah where can people find you you can find me on twitter at Hallie Rogers though I don't know why you would want to great plug there I'm really plug plugging there. myself here yeah you're welcome yeah. it's like negging but for twitter <laughs> oh no don't bring that into it <laughs> <laughs> 
Katya. Yes. Uh, I, you can find me on the Instagrams at just that nerd kid warning, mostly sewing and cat content. <laughs> no, the cat content's going away. They'll have to pay us. That's how. They... <laughs> well, no, that's the sewing cat content. Oh. Whereas this is the podcast cat. Content. I see. So you got to get the teaser of my cat sitting on fabric and, or trying to like cuddle my sewing machine. And then you want you want to know what the cat does during the podcast. I see. Which like you could occasionally hear on air a little bit, but you know you need to know because my cat is adorable. Makes sense. I, I, I buy that. We all have cats, right? Yeah, Wayne. How? Where can people find your cat? <laughs> Wait, we have some some cats that live here in the alley that have sort of adopted everybody who lives oh, on the streets. Uh, it's not in your house. Yeah. We should just have. We can just have like the, you know, I've, I've never Vox podcast Twitter feed or Instagram feed yeah. just becomes cats for a week. Yeah, uh, my blog is wayne-wise.com. I get, I've never mentioned my Instagram. Um, it's tetrock2017. T e t r o c twenty seventeen. Wayne, you had plugs this week. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and 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 if you you know follow me, you will occasionally see a picture or something. Right? <laughs> we were, Which may or may not be a cat. When we, when we were all together in PCA, yeah. at PCA, like Wayne and I went out to lunch, and like we were just we, we literally passed the statue of a bear, and, and Wayne go, goes, "I don't think I posted to Instagram in like three weeks. I'm gonna take a picture of that bear. Click." And that was, and that was, yeah. was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There were there was a period this spring I was I was doing pretty good, like in. in experimenting with some photography with my iPhone for Guys, Instagram. Guys, if this is the content we give out for free, imagine what we could do. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I feel like, what if we got people to pay us to cut out this stuff? Ooh. So we just left it all in, and then they're like, I'm annoyed. Please go back to the old show. And like, aha, you have to pay, pay five bucks an five episode. Five bucks an episode, and the show is only five minutes long. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we're horrible yep. people. Anyway. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Actually, yeah, on both at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Vox Popcast. You can follow my blog on www.chrismaverick.com or the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you will find out about what we are recording next week or the week after that and you can give your feedback and give your feedback on this episode and tell us what we should do with a Patreon account if we were to provide one. If you enjoy the show and you know God we hope you are because this was just ridiculous um, we would appreciate it if you would give us a five star review on iTunes or oh, I'm sorry on Apple Music because they changed their name this week it's weird but on apple music or ah. stitcher or spotify or see it doesn't flow as well as it used to but if you give us a five-star review that makes the algorithm make us more popular which means that you know this can become a job and we'll be happy see not a dark plug yeah. this week i actually said something nice Matt will be happy <laughs> My cat will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> and do you want to make a cat unhappy? No, you don't. You'd be a horrible See, person. I tried to make the plug nice, but then God, God made, it, made it mean. <laughs> it's not mean. I am just trying to communicate to you. It's like the, 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 the commercials where it's sort of like the, what is it? The ASPCA. They make you feel horrible because you need to save the pets. So, <laughs> oh, do we need to turn on some Sarah in our background. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's probably copyrighted. Uh, instead, I don't know if we, can, we have our epic theme song, Building Ever So More Epically by Maximilian at Thoughtform Music. So thank you to him. <laughs> it's not exactly Sarah McLaughlin, but you know, it works. I feel like, I mean, I have an old black cat. I feel like it works for my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank you at home for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
remember they called me Al. It was Al. Don't you remember? I'm your pal. 